Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome into another edition of SEC Football and Beyond. This is kickoff eve. I don't know if that's an official holiday, but by God, right now it is. Kickoff Eve in the SEC. SEC games begin in 26 hours. Hours. It's been, it's been 26 weeks <laughs> since um, I cover Ole Miss for a living. Rivals.com, rebelgrove.com. I wrote a column this morning, Chris. The last time that Ole Miss played a game in one of the three revenue sports was March the 11th. Ole Miss played a baseball game in Monroe, Louisiana, and they played against Georgia in the SEC basketball tournament in Nashville. The one night that there were games played before the tournament was canceled. Georgia beat Ole Miss. Arkansas beat Vanderbilt. And then the tournament was canceled the next morning. And subsequently, mm. Sports World was canceled the next morning. So six and one-half months later, Ole Miss and Florida play at 11 tomorrow. Auburn and Kentucky play at 11 tomorrow. That starts the day, and then everybody gets into the action over the course of the day. Mississippi State at LSU. That game's at 2.30 on CBS. I should tell you that the Auburn-Kentucky game uh, is on SEC Network. Florida and Ole Miss play on ESPN. Georgia and Arkansas play at 3 o'clock, 3 o'clock Central Time. Uh, they're in Fayetteville. That game can be seen on the SEC Network. And then at night, three games at night, Alabama at Missouri. That game on ESPN, it kicks off at 6 p.m. Tennessee and South Carolina play at 7.30 Eastern, 6.30 Central. That game in Columbia, South Carolina can be seen on the SEC Network. And then Vanderbilt and Texas A&M kick off at the same time. They're in College Station. That game, 6.30 Central Time on the SEC Network alternate channel. Chris, I got so excited about football being tomorrow, I forgot to even say hello and welcome you into the show. So hey, the show. how are you? I am doing good. You know, it's interesting because I've got my sheet of the games, and what I do is I break them off in the time slots as as I uh, I will I will do this. I will – this is probably maybe not great, great, but, but I will – there you go. You see that? That is the six TVs in the Landry football lab. How about that? They're all off right now, but they will be uh, humming tomorrow as if I can get myself back in the picture again. Uh, doing technical stuff live is always intriguing. So as I was doing it, I just realized something. You just told me something that, I mean, I have it down and I just didn't pay much attention to it. But in my opinion, and we talked about it on Tuesday, the two best games of the week in the SEC, or at least I think the two best matchups. We don't know if it's going to be the best games. 
Attaboy to the SEC Network. Uh, both of them are on the SEC Network. So what I do is I kind of block them off time-wise, and I number them, monitor one, two, three, and the others can be taped. I can tape two other games. and So I'm just looking at them thinking, man, um, George Arkansas is on the SEC Network as well. But, you know, uh, Alabama-Missouri don't anticipate that being a good game. I get it, the Alabama draw. LSU, I guess, the national champion from last year. Out of curiosity. That's a curiosity, CBS. but. Not, I don't know how often we can say that the SEC network is going to have the two best games of the week, but when you're having SEC versus SEC, it's it's a little bit better. It's a little bit easier now, is it? Because, you know, you don't have the uh, SEC game against, you know, Sisters of the Poor U yep. that, 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 that they cover here. So, see, I have just totally messed up the, the – uh, the video here um so no that it's going to be a fun week and what is great about the sec coming in is that it gives more oomph to the schedule because in watching the games i've noticed that monitors four five and six there weren't as compelling a games the first couple of weeks and now you can you keep those other conferences in and now you add the sec and boy we'll have the big 10 coming around in a couple of weeks and the mountain west and neil it's a miracle chris <laughs> we got pack 12 football, Pac-12 football. Just right before you know it, you just go out and you uh shop for your thanksgiving turkey and uh, sit down for the start of pack 12 football <laughs> we're gonna look back i hope we look back because I sure as hell don't hope we ever have to go through this again. Uh-huh. We look back and say, remember the year 2020 oh, yeah. when the football season didn't start in the Pac-12 into November? The SEC, I can remember back then telling your grandkids on your knee, hey, because I sure as heck hope we don't have this happen again. And of course, this is all things considered what's going on in the country, not that big of a deal. But to us, to me, it certainly is. It's, it's just kind of thrown my body clock from a calendar standpoint, you know, you get your body clock where you, you don't know when to sleep and go to bed. Well, my calendar clock for the first time, it is off because my entire life has been built around football season. Then you have kind of recruiting season and NFL draft season. And we have spring practice in OTAs and mini camps and preparation for training camp and fall practice and football season. And you do the whole thing again. I don't know what the heck's going on. They tell me the NBA Finals is on. <laughs> I can't wait yet. till that's over. Not I mean, I mean, yet. just getting ready to get there. Not. Uh, I mean, NBA, NBA it's just not. Yeah, it's just yeah. not. Uh, the Masters coming up. It just. Yeah. It all is not right in the world with the schedule. But I seriously am excited about um, the games, and we've got some good games. You know. Um, uh, other than the SEC games, but we've got a we've got some intriguing matchups and and some teams that we're looking forward, uh, even in some of the matchups that may, may not be as compelling. Hold that thought because we're going to get back to that in a second. I I, I want to go here though. <clears throat> not I'm in too good of a mood to dive into the politics of it all. Why November? Whatever. It looks like two, one thing is at least this is admitting that the whole we're going to play in the spring. <laughs> Was horse crap from day one. Yes. We've got that out of the way. Dangling a carrot. Carrot. Yes. All right. Number two, we could get into the politics. I'm in too good of a mood. I don't want to. Forget good. it. Good. Now, 
Here's my question, though. This is legitimate. When the Big Ten starts, and then I guess, what, a week later, the Pac-12 starts, and maybe the Mountain West starts, and and maybe the Mac starts. I don't know. Whoever. Everybody who starts late. The Pac-12 is going to play seven games. Just for kicks and giggles, Chris, let's say Oregon's the best team in the Pac-12. Mm-hmm. And Oregon goes 7-0 and and wins the Pac-12 championship over whoever you want them to be. I'll let you have creative license. Is that going to be enough to get into a playoff if the playoff stays at four teams? I, for me, yeah, because so much of it is how they look on film. I am a film guy. I'm not a, okay, yeah, we look at the stats. The stats are the byproduct of how good you are relative to who you play. So without the benefit of having to watch those seven games and see how they look, I would say this. It's going to be difficult, but what are the other options? So would I give the advantage to uh, an Clemson, Alabama, just to throw it out, they are in a good position because they're going to play more games. And I would think, I hate the eyeball test, but you know, when you study them on tape, I would think that they're going to be better. But Nick Saban said the other day that he thinks this season more than any other, it's it's going to be subjective. More yes. Than be analytical. yes. And I mean, to me as a film guy and listen, analytics have been around for a long time. They just never called it analytics. It's, it's about football stuff, but some of the analytics that they use to me are not really uh, apropos to the whole process, but be that as it may different conversation, I, I, I don't think you can dismiss it. Now there are people that are going to say, and maybe a lot of people that listen to this podcast, it is sec football and beyond, but as, as we all know that, Oh no, no, no. Pac-12 doesn't deserve to be there. Absolutely not. I, I don't dismiss anybody. Uh, your film will dictate to you how good you are as a player, as a team, as a coach, as a scheme. That is your resume. It's going to be difficult because they're going to have to be clean. They're going to have to be dominant. They're not going to have the benefit we miss. Let's. I, I don't want to be negative, but we now miss Oregon, Ohio State. How good of a game that would have been the early part of the season. Okay, get over it, Chris. It's over. It's done. But how good will this Oregon team look compared to a one-loss Oklahoma? I mean, I think that's a fair discussion. Now, one-loss Georgia. A one-loss one, Florida. Yeah, you know, a one-loss Georgia, one-loss Florida will certainly have a tougher road. So I'm going to do something that is unfair, but to answer the question as best as I can today, I would say that if Georgia or Florida has one loss, that's going to be pretty impressive, at least as a resume. A one-loss Oklahoma or a one-loss Texas, which I don't see them as that type of team. I think Oregon is more talented than Texas and better personally. But again, the film is going to decide that. Um, I think you could have that argument. Now, you're going to have an argument of, but but they played more games. That's going to be the subjective argument that we're discussing. Oh, they got one loss, but they played three more games. Who did? I think it's going to be about who you beat and then certainly who you lost to, What your the quality of the teams that you played not so much as how many. So let's just take Notre Dame. Their game gets canceled against Wake Forest. 
That's not going to affect Notre Dame if they beat Clemson, Neil. Certainly if they beat them twice. No one's going to say, you beat Clemson twice, but you didn't play Wake Forest. You don't deserve to be in. However, if Notre Dame-Clemson gets canceled, then that's a different situation. So maybe they've played more games, but, you know, and I'm talking about if, you know, if it came down to whether Notre Dame would deserve to uh, be considered for the second or team of the ACC or first, if something happens to Clemson. So I think we're going to have to wait And anybody that's absolutely not. Well, then that's just being closed minded in my view. But I will say this, there's no margin for error. I mean, I think when you get to six or five games, it becomes ridiculous, you know, to even know because, you know, but but I think it does matter what games you lose on your schedule. If a game gets canceled, you're Oregon and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's against a very weak team, then, then that's going to be different than if you get canceled against a, a really good one. So I, I think it's going to be difficult, but I wouldn't rule out an unbeaten Pac-12 team. And, and let's call it like it is, particularly if it's Oregon, because they're perceived to be the best. They're very talented. But I think it's a long shot. I think Ohio State's chances are much better. Ohio State goes 7-0. and They get a game canceled. Neil, the perception of them is that they're going to look better. And that, yeah. that's a big part of it, right I or agree. wrong. Let me add this, because we don't know what bowl games are going to happen. If bowl games are going to happen, I don't know. We'll see. Is there any thought in your mind that – in this one-off year where stuff is happening sort of on the fly, is there any chance that the college football playoff people go, okay, you know what, we're basically fundamentally against it. But in this one year where it's impossible for us to truly judge because we didn't get, you know, Georgia, Oklahoma, or Mm -hmm. Ohio State, Oregon, or you didn't even get the Ole Miss-Baylor kind of games that you would have gotten where neither one of those teams are national title contenders, don't get me wrong, but where you get a a grasp for SEC versus Big 12. You don't get Clemson, um, I guess it was Auburn, North Carolina. You don't get that game to go, hey, you know, Auburn's the third best team in the SEC, North Carolina's the fourth best team in the ACC, and here's what that looked like. You know where I'm going. Is there a chance that the committee goes, you know what, screw it, let's go to eight teams? Oh, Neil. That would make perfect sense. So, absolutely not. <clears throat> Way too long. No, no, yeah. Here's the thing. It is, and it, it, it's actually, it's like the second time this week somebody asked me that, and it's a, it's a, it's a great point. And never has there been a year where it would make some sense because you don't have enough of a sample size to really determine it. So let's play more games. And the only way to do it, because we had to back everybody's schedule up or most people's schedule up. Let's and we've got maybe displaced games. <clears throat> let's let's play more games, you know, now that things are better, hopefully, and we'll play them in the playoffs. I think two things. First of all, they have given no indication that they would consider that. In fact, they have been adamant that they won't do that. I think if you're asking me my judgment of what I think they'll do, I think they're so afraid to go down that path and say, man, this worked really good. And it it even spurs the momentum of let's have a playoff. 
I don't think it. I think what they're going to say, no, we've got a committee. We've got football people. We've got 12 experts in the room, and we're going to pick the four best teams, and we can do that. We understand it's going to be a little bit more subjective this year. Somebody may play seven. Somebody may play nine. Somebody may be. That's just a. I think that's going to be the spin. That's going to be the reality. I don't think it's going to happen. However, it's 2020, Neil, and if there is real chaos, so let me let me throw the chaos scenario. What if everybody, and I'm just saying that it won't happen this way. What if everybody has two games, three games? Okay, then you got five games for one team, eight games for another. Then everybody looks, you know, six. I mean, what if, you know, then, like somebody said, well, what if Alabama seven and one and Georgia, Georgia seven and one, and then, you know, Ohio State, you know, six and one. I mean, it, it looked then, then though, it would fall into the category of we still know the four best. We only played eight games. But what if you have real chaos to where you're having a hard time where a lot of people's schedules are just in, uh, uh, affected? I wouldn't rule it out because it is 2020, but I can tell you they'd be kicking and screaming doing it. I just don't think they want to do it. It makes all the sense in the world, though. Yeah, I just think it's this one crazy year where the Pac-12 starting in November, for example, you know, the the Big Tw- the Big Ten is starting at the end of October. For anybody to pretend like there's a there's a blue a blueprint for this, give me a break. I don't know, I mean, and it might not matter, but if everybody gets the games in. Everybody gets the games in. It's it's uh it's worth noting. All right, let's let's talk some SEC. People want to hear SEC. If you didn't hear our Tuesday show, we broke down all of the games pretty thoroughly. But I know people have lives, and sometimes you get busy, and we're the second priority on your list, and you just never quite get there. So we'll we'll you can go find those shows. By the way, at uh, at the Oxford Exxon podcast feed. It's there. It's at Chris Landry's podcast feed. So you can find that podcast if you want to hear it. Maybe you're driving someplace tomorrow morning or later today to get to an SEC game if you're one of the lucky ones that has tickets. All right, let's just kind of jump around a little, Chris. We talk, we'll talk. we talk about the early games first. Kentucky at Auburn, Florida at Ole Miss, Mississippi State at LSU. And I want to get, I'll get your picks at the end. Get your picks at the end of the show. What are you looking for? Do it however you want to, those three games. Kentucky at Auburn, Florida at Ole Miss, Mississippi State at LSU. To me, all three of those games, quite intriguing. You know, Kentucky's interesting. I think Auburn's got a good team. I think Auburn's got a very good defense. Bo Nix back for a sophomore year. Uh, I understand why ESPN picked the Ole Miss game over that game because you get the Gators, their draw, and you get Lane Kiffin's first game at Ole Miss. And, Lane Kiffin is a national curiosity, if nothing else. And then Mississippi State at LSU. You get Mike Leach's first game at at, at Mississippi State, and you get the absolute curiosity that is the LSU Tigers, a team that won everything last year that one can win in a college football season. They, They won all of it. But most of what won it all is gone. And so there, there's going to be a new quarterback, a new coordinator, another new coordinator, new staff, new this, new that. New is interesting. So um, those three games, are you can see why CBS picked the LSU game, and you can see why ESPN took Ole Miss. And then the Auburn, as you mentioned, Auburn-Kentucky of those three games might end up being the most competitive, and it's on the SEC Network. What sticks out about those three to you? Well, um, 
I, I think in, in Florida Ole Miss, it's wanting to see this Ole Miss offense against this Florida defense. Florida defense is replacing some folks, but they're still very talented. Todd Granham is going to want to really – he likes to – I mean, coming off the bus, he likes to be aggressive. Um, I want to see Ole Miss – you know, I know, and, and you cover this very well. I, I think Lane has been <clears throat> concerned throughout his practices about consistency at quarterback, decision-making, accuracy – those things I want to see. Can they protect the football? Like clearly, Ole Miss has got to play clean, plus make some big plays. They've got to be able to run it. I am most specifically interested in how John Rice Plumley is used, when, where, you know, package, and sets. I just think that it, it – it, it really, to me, I could see him not being the quarterback, but I can't see him not being on the field as much as possible because I think that uh, that so that is most intriguing to me. On the other side, um, we're going to see a Florida offense that has a chance to be really good. Uh, and I'm curious to see, you know, Ole Miss, how they're able to hang in there, what they're able to do. Um, so that that is that's most intriguing in terms of in in, in you know uh, Auburn Kentucky. I mentioned this a little bit Tuesday, but I think it bears repeating. I think the whole key in this game for Kentucky, first of all, offensively is really good offensive line. I think they've got three NFL prospects on the offensive line, one of the best centers in the country. I think they have the ability to to run the football, control the line of scrimmage pretty well. I would expect Auburn to play a lot of eight-man fronts and to try to force the ball in the air. How well will Kentucky be able to get them out of that look? That's key. I think the biggest intrigue in that game, though, is on the other side of the ball because it's schematics in my mind. All right, how do you get Kentucky misaligned? In addition to being really good at the line of scrimmage, defensively, they're very gap-sound. They line up very well. They stem their fronts, a lot of pre-snap movements, and they're really good. They're rarely out of position. Well, the one thing that I think Auburn does pretty well, have done pretty well in the past, is work some up-tempo. I think that's what you have to do against Kentucky. I think you have to run tempo so that it's hard to get a misaligned, so you need to get the ball snapped before they can get lined up or stem their front or make any adjustments. So Chad likes to run some tempo with the pass game. Um Gus likes to run the tempo with the run game. Now, if you go back to the Auburn game, uh, the uh, Auburn Oregon game last year, one of the things that hurt Auburn in that game, and Oregon probably should have won that game. They kind of blew that game. Auburn was not able to run their tempo like they want Neil because Bo Nix was, you know, they weren't as comfortable. He wasn't as comfortable, so they had to slow it down, get him, you know. So now. How much better is he going to be able to run it? I think a lot, and I think that's going to be key. In the Mississippi – go ahead. No, no, I was going to ask, if you're Kentucky and you're getting ready for Auburn offensively this last few weeks, are you studying more of Chad Morris or are you studying a lot of Gus Malzahn or are you trying to figure out sort of how they're going or, – or are they one and the same? No, I think I think you have to study both. They have a lot of the principles. They come from the same ilk, but – Chad, I, I you study the pass game of Chad and the run game of Gus, and I think you have to be prepared for both. 
so you got to study both and, you know, and I'm, I know they have, that's just kind of what you do. Um, you studying it as a coach and, uh, compressing it to something that can be taught effectively to your players are two different things. Yes. What, what I think the biggest, okay. So how does Kentucky deal with that? You're a Kentucky fan. All right, Chris, how do we deal with the temple? Well, one thing, it's going to be conditioning because you won't have as much to be able to come in and out of the, the, the game. You won't be able to substitute as much. But what you're going to have to do is create a lot of hand signals where you're making quick decisions on the field with your players, with some, you know, you've got to make quicker calls from the sideline and get them quicker to the players. They're going to have to get lined up quicker if they go the temple that I expect them to do. If they don't, well, then that's okay. You've prepared for something. It's kind of like, you know, you don't know if you're going to get asked that question on the test, but you better don't know it because he might get. You better be prepared for that question come Saturday. And you've got to be able to get lined up without getting the extra time. And you have to say, what we're going to do, we're going to play more of a reduced front, and then we're going to bring our guys up, and, and we're going to force them to throw it. It's probably what they're going to do until Auburn throws them out of that look, and then I think that they're going to they're going to have to adjust it accordingly. But the adjustments are going to have to be made quicker and on the field, and you're going to have to be able to hold up. I mean, you know, I think it's going to be that much more important for Kentucky's offense to help their defense by being able to control the football, ball control, because if they have to go up-tempo on defense, and Neil, they're on the field for a lot of snaps, this is where the Auburn game could just take this game and go the other way. This game has to be a half-court game, to use a basketball analogy, for Kentucky to win, and Auburn wants to be a little bit more paced and that is going to determine whether this game is close and goes into the fourth quarter or if it's a blowout. If it's a blowout, it's Auburn blowing out Kentucky because it's fast-paced. But there's no way really Kentucky's going to blow out Auburn unless Auburn just puts the ball on the ground four times and loses a turnover battle on negative four. We're going to move on, but can Kentucky win this game? Yes, they can. Absolutely they can. They can win it at the line of scrimmage, and they're going to have to force some mistakes by Auburn but they're going to need a little help and they're going to have to force some of those mistakes and they're going to have to control the clock and the ball on offense. I can hear the Ole Miss fans yelling at me for not asking this question. So I'll ask it of you real quick and then we'll go to LSU and get to the other games too. Is there a scenario where Ole Miss beats Florida? Or is that just too much to ask? I see it as too much to ask. I don't think Ole Miss can beat Florida. I think Florida would have to lose it. So okay. I think, I think a scenario Kentucky can beat Auburn yeah, you said, well, Auburn's going to have to play. Yeah, but Kentucky can hang. I think that the bonus is a watcher of this game, as a consumer of this game. I'm hoping that it's, it's you know, into the fourth quarter, at least one possession, no more than that, and there's a chance because there's always that spot. I think you've got, if you're Ole Miss, you're going to have to flip the field in the kicking game. You're going to have to win the explosive um uh, game battle, no doubt about that. And, you know, Auburn, I mean, uh, Florida is just going to have to misfire a little bit on offense. I mean, you know, third you down. on the field when Florida beat Florida. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's yeah. what it goes down yeah. to. All right, LSU-Mississippi State. Um, interesting game. I mean, like I said, it's, it's – it's, I think LSU wins. I think LSU wins big just because LSU has so much talent. But, man, there is so much turnover that I can't help but wonder – throwing in no spring, a weird summer, COVID, weird preseason, 
I can't help but wonder, man, is there any chance? And, and then Tiger Stadium is going to be quieter than it normally is. It's not going to have the normal, you know, almost a festival feel that Tiger right. Stadium has. My favorite place in the league. I love it. But it's not going to feel like Tiger Stadium. No, no. And then you've got you've got the added dimension of of Mississippi State looking completely different, I presume, than it looked under Dan Mullen, than it looked under Joe Moorhead. There's a lot of just if here. You know what I mean? There is. Um, I think there's a bigger transition with Mississippi State. I think the lack of a spring hurts Mississippi State more because the fundamental part of what LSU is going to do is going to be the same. They're going to run it more, I think, and not put the game in Miles Brennan's hands like they did in Joe Burrow's hands, meaning Miles won't be as proficient as setting the protections. You know, so much of what Joe Burrow did last year was, you know, the, the, the teams that have success against really good offenses what you do is you try to bring pressure and you break down protections so that they can't put as many guys out on routes. Well, it didn't work against LSU because Burrow became so proficient at setting the protections and getting the ball out quickly. They could put five guys out on routes and good luck trying to cover the fourth and fifth guy. And you had Clyde Edwards or Larry's a check down. It was tough. Now this, the biggest thing I'm looking for is Eric Gilbert. Eric Gilbert's the true freshman tight end from Georgia that I went to a couple of practices and the O's asked to go and, and one scrimmage actually in the practice. This kid's special. This kid's, you know, we'll see how this guy has got elite, elite ability. So they're going to work the tight end a little bit more. They're going to run the football a little bit more. And I think they're going to be more similar, but but not they won't look the same, but the offense will be fundamentally the same with Scott Linehan making the adjustments to what they've done in the past as opposed to, you know, he'll bring in some of his own wrinkles. Whereas at Mississippi State, you're talking about a completely different system. So I'm very curious to see Mike, who tends to be very stubborn. They've got one of the best backs in the league. I think one of the best backs in the country, Colin Hill. So I think that they should be able to run the football very effectively. We'll see what they do. They don't run a lot of plays, but they really spend a lot of time perfecting those routes and those plays. And they didn't have as much time to do it. So I, I just think this is now the other thing is, how aggressive will Bo Pelini get trying to – I think you got to be really careful with those huge line splits. It's inviting to want to rush the quarterback. They do that on purpose. It's their version of a screen game. Don't get caught up into that. Mush rush and make sure that you defend the run because they're going to spring the run on you with those line, uh, huge line splits. And if you get upfield and you penetrate the gap, then you're just going to create an alley, and that's a big run play. So play contained, that's not how Bo likes to play it, but he's going to have to show discipline, and the defense is going to have to show discipline because this is a route in the making if LSU plays it correctly. But there'll be some wrinkles that everyone's going to have to adjust to, and LSU gets the first crack at it. All right, Georgia and Arkansas, 3 o'clock, SEC Network. Uh, Chad Chad Morris gone from Arkansas. Sam uh, Pittman, his first game there. He was on the Georgia staff the last few years. He and Kirby Smart. Very good friends, close relationship there. This is a, a Georgia team that has a ton of talent, Chris. Uh, breaking in a new quarterback, Jake Fromm's gone. There's a 
not a lot of question marks on this Georgia team, but the one or two that are there are pretty big ones. What do you expect on Saturday? I expect the bloodletting, to be honest with you. I think it's I think it's going to be a dominant performance. I think it'll be at the line of scrimmage. I think this Georgia defense is going to show its will and might. I think the running game is going to show a distinct advantage. I think the only intrigue for me would be what, how much they do or how little that they do with the passing game. Um, I mean, you know, how, how you know, the quarterback situation is going to be fun to watch. Who plays, who starts, you know, I think it's going to be Dewan Mathis, but, you know, I don't know uh, what we'll see if JT of I just I'm curious to see how much they show or how much they work is the best way to put it with their passing game. Um but they're not going to need it here, but they may need the reps here, if you know what I mean. So that's the only thing and I'm I'm just looking and hoping that maybe Arkansas can keep it close and make it interesting. No, I think this is as big of a blowout as we could see this weekend. All right. So we'll get into the evening games now. And um Getting rid of that one. Sorry. So the evening games, you got uh, you got Alabama at Missouri. This game is at 6 p.m. on ESPN. Tennessee at South Carolina, 630 SEC Network. That's Central Time, 730 Eastern. Vanderbilt at Texas A&M. That game at 630 on the SEC Network alternate channel. Obviously, it's Aliyah Drinkwitz's first game there at Missouri. <laughs> Quite the... Uh, He's, he's gonna need a drink. Yeah, he's gonna need <laughs> he's gonna, maybe at halftime, maybe yeah. at maybe pregame when he when he comes out of pregame. Can I have a stiff drink after watching those guys? Woo! And then you know we talked about South Carolina Tennessee, which to me is the game that uh, I'm really looking forward to watching because it's just got some. It, it, there's a lot there, and then Vanderbilt A and M just could get really ugly. Let's. Before we dive into Tennessee and South Carolina, what are you looking for with with Alabama, and then in that Texas A and M Vanderbilt game, what are you what are you looking for from the Aggies in terms of moving forward? Obviously, they're going to beat Vanderbilt, but what what do you what do you want to see from them in terms of setting themselves up for future success? Uh, you know, to me, A and M, you know, confidence game for Kellen Mond. Um, get the passing game going a little bit. Get some rhythm there. Jimbo always likes to establish the run. They'll be able to do that effectively here. Um, I don't know that we're going to learn a whole lot from them here. So if it's sloppy, it's not necessarily could be first game. Um, If they blow them out, it's Vanderbilt. I mean, it's just I think that we're going to learn a little bit more piece by piece with Vanderbilt. But I think it's a rhythm game. It's it's a pace. It's about getting to me. It's about who's going to step up at receiver. Um, you know, who's going to be, you know, consistent playmakers. And I, I think that's what I'm looking for. Vanderbilt is, I don't see a win on their schedule. I just don't see one at all. I mean, that would be a, a COVID win is the only way. It's just a bad looking football team. They do not have the talent like they've had in the past when they still weren't very good. When they've had a running back, when they've had a receiver, when they've had a tight end, when they've had a couple of players on defense, they're just so limited. This is going to be tough. Uh, for Alabama, you know, first of all, for Missouri, I, I, I think that their offensive line is, 
trying to rework things, and that's not good against this defensive front. Right. Dylan Moses has been outstanding, and this is going to be a tough, tough game for them. Uh, I think you're going to see maybe certainly one of the best offensive lines in the country, and I think you're going to see Alabama's kind of return to running the football, power football, but I think they're going to work the pass game. I think it's going to be more – run to set up the pass than pass to set up the run. Now, with that I like said, that. I, think I do too. Yeah. Well, and then people have asked me, and people ask me in, in, in Tuscaloosa Radio on Wednesday, well, what, what, I, how surprised? There was no surprise. There was no way the freshman was going to be in a position to get enough reps to earn that job. Not now. Now, as we get into week six or eight, depending on the health and the play of Mac Jones, that's a different conversation. There was no decision to be made. Mac knows the offense. Mac knows where to go with the football. This is going to be, I think, a return to what we consider Alabama. Power run game. And when people overload the box, they're going to throw it and throw it effectively. They've got good receivers. Look, I get it. They felt like they had to outscore people last year. Their defense was banged up, and they had to, and they had four great receivers. Let's go out and throw it, and let's score 35, 40 points and try to be – but that doesn't work at the highest level if you don't not able to get off the field defensively. Now what you're going to see is a better defense that's played a lot of young guys last year that are now going to be in better position to be successful and – going to be on the field less, I would think, because I think the offense is going to play more ball control, and they'll get points out of the passing game, but they're going to win games because of the running game and the defense. That's what I think. I think that's what we see this week, and I think that's what we see this season with Alabama. All right, so the one that I'm looking forward to, I'm going to be live streaming tomorrow from 9 in the morning until I would guess around 6 o'clock tomorrow night, and then I'm going to finish up. I'm going to pour something into a glass. And I'm going to watch Tennessee and South Carolina with a lot of interest. I expect it to be an entertaining game. I expect it to be a competitive game. You might disagree and say, Neil, you're an idiot. Feel free. You won't be the first person today. Uh, But I think this is a fun game. Tennessee, as of this moment, doesn't know whether Cade Mays is going to be eligible. Uh, South Carolina's got a, a new quarterback. We talked about that on Tuesday. There's... There's a lot here. Will Muschamp, been with this program for a while. Jeremy Pruitt's been with this program for a while. Unlike a lot of the other games we've talked about where there's a lot of newness and all that stuff, there's a lot of carryover for these two programs going into this game. They know each other. They play each other every year. I'm fascinated. I am as well. Um, Storylines in the game I'm looking forward to. Um, Mike Bowell, South Carolina's new offensive coordinator, you know, slash Colin Hill, his quarterback came over from Colorado State. Very knowledgeable about this offense. Is like a coach on the field. Uh, how is that going to translate for him? I think it's certainly going to help him from a direction standpoint. How effective will they be in the passing game? They're, you know, Shai Smith is still around, but they've lost a lot of pieces. Brian Edwards, by the way, playing pretty good with the Raiders. Miss him. This Tennessee secondary is pretty good. So are they going to get any enough out of the passing game is what I'm curious to see. All right. On the other side, what has Tennessee got in Garantano? What will they get this year in Garantano? Um, you know, he's got some confidence. He's tough. I, I think 
the way they're going to play it is their offensive line is Tennessee's strength. It's the best and deepest group that they've had in a while. And you mentioned Cade Mays. Even without that, they're pretty good. With him, they're outstanding. So I think they've got an edge there. And I'm curious to see um, South Carolina will play a loaded front, and I think they're going to force Garantano to beat them. And that maybe is going to be the key of whether Tennessee can get some early points. The other thing is, can South Carolina please finally get a running game? They've just not been able to get, for all the good recruiting and the job, they've just not been able to develop the running game. And that just doesn't make sense with me when you put the head coach with his philosophy, his defensive prowess, and his recruiting skills. Why they haven't cracked that nut is just one of the mysteries. And we're not talking about a guy who's in his second year there. Um, I think the key thing, you know, some key guys, Eric Gray special. Henry Teoto is really special. I think Bryce Thompson could step out and have a great game at corner and a great season at corner. Uh, on South Carolina, I mentioned Hill. Is Kevin Harris that running back that could be that guy? Zach Pickens, uh, remember him of signing that. Is, you know, is he, he's going to take over for Javon Kinlaw. Tough, tough sledding there. Mukama in the secondary is really good player. Um, so, um, and, and uh, you know, Marshawn Lord's uh, loss is big, and it hurts him, you know, South Carolina in the run game. So, I, like, I think it's going to be a real intriguing game. There's not a whole lot that separates it. I expect it to be a three, four-point type of game. I think Tennessee's a little bit better overall. But South Carolina is at home, and I agree with it. I think it's the most intriguing game. If both teams play their best, this is a really close game. Both teams play their best in Kentucky-Auburn. Auburn wins by 10. But, you know, I don't know how that's going to play out. And there could be a close game that it always is. And it? a game that, oh, I didn't expect that, and it's the fourth quarter. And it's good. This one should be close. In the fourth quarter, if both teams play up to their capabilities. Maybe not their best, but both play – equally on a on a scale all right in a few minutes we'll get your picks against the spread i know that a lot of people out there want to know what you think they're trying to make some money before we do that let us make a little money and tell you this podcast is brought to you by jupiter security systems they're based in madison mississippi jupiter security systems provide your business with the help desk allowing you to get software at a much cheaper price than you would pay going directly to microsoft or the different cybersecurity services. Jupiter Security Systems offers businesses the full Microsoft 365 suite, email spam protection, and they monitor their workstations and servers. <clears throat> Excuse me. No, Jupiter does not see your data, by the way, but they'll know if malicious applications get installed on your computers. Jupiter can set up remote monitoring on a computer regardless of the location, so don't spend money on getting your employees new laptops to work remotely. Let Jupiter monitor their home computers, protect your data wherever you choose to work. Jupiter Security Systems offers cybersecurity and monitoring. It's ADT for your computer systems and data, and it's very affordable with a flat price, no hidden add-ons. For more information, call Eric, 601-519-9583, or email info at jupitersecurity.net, or visit jupitersecurity.net. All right, Chris, there are some other games out there in the college football world this weekend that might be interesting a little later in the year. We've talked about the SEC games. 
There are some games in other leagues that are that are interesting. Louisville and Pittsburgh play one another. That game is at uh, Pittsburgh. Is that Pittsburgh? We're trying to see a time for it. It's at 11 a.m. 11 a.m. Central. Yes. Um, uh, think- that, that's one. Iowa State TCU. Yes. There's one at, at 1230. Uh, you've got uh, West Virginia, Oklahoma State, Texas, Texas Tech, Army, Cincinnati. You've got um, Florida State, Miami, that game at 630. NC State, Virginia Tech, that game is at uh, at 7. So there are, there are some other games out there that probably aren't going to impact the national titles perspective, but they might impact how different leagues are viewed. Yeah, I think uh, a couple of things. A lot of people are focusing on, you know, the Miami-Florida State game. Uh, it's going to get the primetime treatment. It's a chance for Miami to make a statement. They're playing better. Florida State is struggling, and certainly without Mike Norvell, anything other than a beatdown will be considered disappointment by Miami, and you know the one thing is Miami's play good ball, disciplined ball, but they tend to waver from that at times. And if they do that, Florida State will certainly be motivated and play hard in this game. I don't know how well, but that's going to be intriguing. And maybe the most competitive ACC game is the Louisville Pitt game that you mentioned. Pitt's got a really good defense. Pat Narducci's got a really solid defense. They can run the football well. Louisville lost to Miami, but they've got as good a quarterback wide receiver, running back combination in the country and certainly in the ACC. And Clemson is still in the ACC. That's pretty impressive. They've got – that's special. When you can say, you know what, we can – I'll take our quarterback, our running back, and our receiver, our top one, and put them up against Clemson. And you know what, you don't laugh at it. That's that's pretty impressive. That's – do they have enough? Uh, and can they bounce back? I think that's going to be intriguing. For the Big 12 – Who's the third best team in the Big Twelve? I mean, I think we're going to begin to. I I would give them a nod right now. I think we're going to start to find out this week. Uh, Playing good defense against Tulsa is a little bit different than playing it against West Virginia. This is not the old West Virginia. Neil Brown's not quite got his offense where it needs to be, but it's going to be a little bit more challenging than Tulsa. That's going to be interesting. Obviously, Oklahoma State the game last week, losing their starting quarterback. It's going to be a little bit different. Oklahoma State's a little bit more run-focused, maybe a little bit more focused on the defense. Jim Knowles has come over from Duke. Again, we'll see. I think they're the best candidate to be the third-best team. But Iowa State, people have kind of thrown dirt on because they lost to ULL. TCU, uh, those two teams play really intriguing game. And I think the winner there will have something to say about, all right, who truly is the third best team in the Big 12? So I, I think it's really an intriguing week. You mentioned Army Cincinnati. I think the most talented group of five team in the country is Cincinnati. You can make the case for Central Florida. Central Florida has a little bit more overall speed. I think Cincinnati's a little bit better, but this is a tough game. You know what Army brings to the table. You know the discipline, the focus, having to defend that triple option is going to be quite the challenge. So that is really, really intriguing to watch. So, um, you know, you mentioned it. Georgia Tech maybe gets back on track against Syracuse. Texas, Texas Tech has just been a mess to this point. Kansas State upset Oklahoma last year. 
something tells me they'll will be remembered in Norman and it'll be a little different this year. Yeah, I don't see that happening. That's um, you know, and and uh, by the way, I mean Duke's Virginia, Duke, Duke's not looking right right now. Uh I think the program's starting to 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 wither away a little bit at uh in in Durham now with with cut. Now, we'll see, but not really at, like the quarterback, but I'm not real comfortable with where things are going there. We'll see if that changes. And then I'm curious to see, but uh, Virginia Tech play, NC State, Virginia Tech still hasn't played. <laughs> they, they've missed more games than anybody other than Houston. Houston's had five games canceled thus far. But uh, so we we got, I think, some, we're, we're deep enough into the ACC and the Big 12 where we've got some compelling matchups to go along with a couple of uh, non a group of five matchups as well as the, the, the SEC games. Yeah, it's some really fun games. Let me ask you about Luke Fickle real fast because we're going to get to the, we're going to touch on the NFL real quick and then I'm going to get your picks and then we're, we're going to bid each other adieu for the weekend and get ready for some football. Can Fickle wait for a Big Ten job of his choosing for Notre Dame to open up? I mean, is he, is he that much of a hot commodity? Yeah. Well, he, he, he turned down Michigan State or, you know, the whole not officially offered, but, you know, that's who they went after before they went to Mel Tucker. Um, so, yes, uh, I think he would have maybe considered that job had the timing been different and circumstances been different. Obviously, Michigan State has had a lot of off-the-field stuff and a lot of administrative stuff that I think the timing and that concern turned him off a little bit. but. I think he, you know, let's say we wouldn't have had all that off the field, off, uh, off the field stuff. I think he would have been ripe to go in and replace Mark D'Antonio and would have been a smooth transition. Yes, I think he can get a Michigan State type job and again had it if he wanted it, and that was the the, the turnoff and why he didn't take it. All right, the uh, the NFL this weekend. We won't probably do this every week, but. Next week will be, as Chris and I were talking about, it's going to be a walk in the park. Tuesday, we're going to break down the SEC games from the weekend before. On Friday, we'll have games to break down in, in detail. This week, obviously, because there were no games last weekend, we, we've, pretty much, we've pretty much done that for you. Don't forget, you can go to uh, LandryFootball.com and get as much depth as you want on every one of these SEC games. You can, what, Chris, 2,000 words on each game? I mean, there's a, there's a lot there. Yeah, we take it different angles. So college and NFL, if you're looking at it at a fantasy angle or a gambling angle or just a personnel angle, a schematic, we we break it all down, tell you kind of com- combine what we saw last week of the teams, what adjustments, how the matchups, games within the game that gives you more than I just think this team will win. Well, anybody can just guess that. We try to tell you how we think it's going to play out, what to look for. few NFL games of interest. Tennessee is at Minnesota. It's a, tennis, the Titans. A uh, three-point favorite in Minneapolis. The two and O Bears getting three and a half points uh, at the Falcons, who desperately need a win. I mean, a, a loss to the Bears dropped them to zero and three, and 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 deep trouble. Um, other game: Houston, uh, a four-point underdog at Pittsburgh. It's an interesting contest. The Rams. This might be. At least uh, this is my first time to even look at the NFL slate. It's been one of those weeks, Chris. The Rams, a one and a half point underdog at Buffalo. The Bills have looked good so far uh, in the regular season. Uh, Dallas getting five points at Seattle. Seattle has looked like a championship caliber team so far. 
Green Bay is at New Orleans. The Saints coming off of a very disappointing loss uh, on Monday night in Las Vegas. They get the Packers, the Saints, a three-point favorite as of right now. And then the Monday night game, Kansas City is at Baltimore. That's the game of the week. Goodness gracious. Mm -hmm. Probably a preview of the AFC championship game, perhaps. The Chiefs, a three-and-a-half-point underdog at Baltimore. Both of those teams unbeaten. Couple, two or three of those games really stand out. The NFL's been fun to watch for me so far. That Kansas City-Baltimore game, that's must-watch television. Absolutely. I mean, it's a game of the year thus far, and we may have one or two more that are similar, but um, you're right. And Baltimore's look better on tape. They're a more complete team, but you got to score enough points to beat Kansas City. Can they do that? They're better at the line of scrimmage. Baltimore's got really two good corners that can maybe take – a better handle the outside receivers of the Chiefs. So look for the the slot receivers and the tight ends to be an even bigger factor this week for Kansas City. And then Baltimore's running game. I mean, um, J.K. Dobbins quickly move up. He was their fourth running back, Neil, to start the season, and he's quickly moved up. That they are they've got the deepest group of running backs in the league. Do Baltimore going to be a real interesting matchup? Um, you, you know, certainly. Um, De- beware of the desperation teams. You mentioned it. Atlanta at home yep. against Chicago. 0-3 if you're in – there's got an extra team in, in each conference. But so, but if you go 0-3, you've got 2.7% chance of making the playoffs. So, yep. Minnesota at home. Again, desperation game. Tennessee. Beware of that. Now, Houston, I expected to be an 0-2. Their record has been tough. And against Pittsburgh, that's tough again. Beware of the desperation teams. There's a difference between the desperation team and the team that's just not good enough. So, curious to see. Buffalo, you mentioned how good they've looked. They have looked good. The Jets, Miami, who looked good on Thursday night against Jacksonville. Blocking the front of those two teams, though, and blocking the front with Aaron Donald, where the Rams are moving him up and down the line of scrimmage, playing the piano, as we like to call it. How well they're able to block that front that defensive, the Rams are looking good. This is, we'll begin to tell you, is this Buffalo team really that good? Um, so those kind of headline and another desperation team is the Eagles at home. They go 0-3, lose to Cincinnati at home. There's few places that get as ugly in the media and in the fan base than Philadelphia, I can tell you. So um, those kind of lead the headline. Certainly the Saints backs are against the wall a little bit at home against Green Bay. Dallas has not looked good on the offensive line. They got the win last week against Atlanta, but it's an intriguing week. You know, we break the NFL down into quarters. We always did, you know, scouts yeah. scouts. So it's the first four, it's the second four, it's the third four, and it's the last four games. And so you always like to say you like to stay ahead of schedule. If you win, if you win each quarter, you'll win three games, you win twelve games and you're in good shape. And obviously now the race is going to be for the one seed. Remember, you don't get a buy with a two seed anymore. It's a one seed. So everybody's focused on having the best record in the conference. So it's not too early to begin thinking about it as we head into week three. It's going to be interesting. All right, here we go. Time for the Chris Landry Picks against the spread in the SEC. If you're if you're driving, pull over, write these down. Oh yeah. yeah. If you got your uh, bookie on the phone, put him on hold. All right, here we go. So thankful we get to do this today. 
football tomorrow, about 25 hours from this moment. Kickoffs in Oxford, kickoff in Auburn. So here we go. We'll, we'll start with those two games. Kentucky getting eight points at Auburn. I think Kentucky will keep this close. How about you? I th- I say Auburn wins it, um, and I think it's a little bit closer. I, I think it's more of a four or five point game. I've got Auburn, and I'll lay the eight. Oh, there you go. I'll lay the eight points. All right, Florida giving thirteen. I know the lines moved a little bit for the sake of this. We established the lines. So we'll just leave it here. Florida giving thirteen at Ole Miss. I think they're going to score enough points here to cover the 13, even 14. Um, and I'm, um, I, you know, so I, I I do like Florida here in this one. I don't like Ole Miss's defense at all from from what I what I hear and what I see. Uh, I think Ole Miss scores some points on Saturday, but I think they give up a ton. I, I, like, uh, I like Florida to lay the 13. Mississippi State getting 17 at LSU, so the Tigers minus 17 at home against Mike Leach and the Bulldogs. It's just tough, um, a little bit tougher. I'm um, I'm going to go with LSU, and I'm going to lay the points. I, I, I just need to see Mississippi State um, a little bit more and how much that Mike's been able to put in, and I think K.J. Costello will do a nice job. I just, I just don't know. I think it'll be a, an LSU 17-20 point win. I agree. I think Miles Brennan's going to be good. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be Joe Burrow good. I don't know that he has to be Joe Burrow good. That's I correct. Think, yeah. I think he's going to be good. I think LSU wins and covers the seventeen. I'm, I'm with you. I don't think they, I don't think they blow past that number, but I do think they get past that number. Georgia, a twenty-four and a half point favorite at Arkansas, there in uh, lovely Fayetteville. You know, I'd love it for my daughter for the Hogs to pull off an upset here. She she would be excited. I don't think that's going to happen. I like Georgia laying all those points, and I'd probably lay I'd probably lay more than that. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I think they compress this game. It won't be explosive, and it will look like they may not cover for two and a half quarters, and then you'll see by the fourth quarter it'll be a decisive win, I think. Alabama gives 28 and a half. It's a huge SEC line. Alabama gives 28 and a half at Missouri. Boy, it's a bunch of points, Chris. Yeah, it is. I just I just don't have any confidence in Missouri being able to keep it close. And the only thing would be, boy, it's the first game. So you're thinking about Georgia, you're thinking about Alabama, you're thinking about LSU, you're thinking about, hey, are they going to be that sharp that first week? Okay, they're going to win, but maybe it's, you know, it's 14 instead of 17 or 17 instead of 20. or I think Alabama is going to be pretty sharp, and I don't think Missouri is. I think Alabama rolls, and I think they cover. Yeah, I picked Alabama to cover, too, just a bunch of points, but I did take Alabama minus the 28 and a half. Tennessee minus three at South Carolina, the home team getting a field goal from the folks in Vegas. I don't know why I do this every year. I get on the Will Muschamp bandwagon. He lets me down. It's a repetitive annual thing. For some reason, I think South Carolina is going to win this game, so I'm going to take the points. Oh, good. It's interesting, and they tend to win a game when you don't expect. I'm going to take the Vols. And I'm going to lay the points. I think they're going to win. In fact, uh, 
spoiler alert, oh, I, I, I go into great detail as to why, but I actually picked this 2420. So it's right at the line. Yeah. That's uh, Tennessee. I think Tennessee wins this on the road. I just, at this point, they just have a little more talent and I'm going with it. But this is the toughest one. And this is one, if South Carolina wins by seven, I'm not surprised. You know, I just, I don't know what's going to happen. So, hey, buyer beware out there. If you're driving, you know, <laughs> don't spill your coffee and, and, and slow your dial to your bookie. All right. Last one, Vanderbilt getting 29 and a half at Texas A&M. It's a hell of a gift. I don't think it's enough of a gift. I like the Aggies and I'll lay, I'll lay the 29 and a half. It's a yeah. lot of points, but I'll lay them. Yeah, and I have I'm a little concerned about this because I just have a feeling that AM won't be as sharp as they will be. I just have no confidence in Vanderbilt at all. And I just think that they won't need to be as sharp. I, I'm with you. I'm laying it. I wasn't even sure what the line was. <laughs> Whatever it is, I'm gonna say uh, I just don't see and that's the thing about it, isn't it? I Means it's twenty nine. So 29. they win by they win by twenty eight comfortably. Uh, that is really tough because I think that's kind of about what it is. I see a 24-28 point victory, but I'm going to say that they lay it. I'm going to take the Aggies and lay it. I don't know. That's not a that I, I, I would be weary of that. That's one that a and going to win, but that's a lot of points. And I, unlike Georgia and Alabama, A&M's not quite the hammer down. I could see them winning 24, 28 points. Be happy with it. Looks yeah. good. Everybody's happy. Except for folks out in the desert. Well, those buildings in Vegas were, they weren't built on credit. They were built with No, credit. no, no. There's that's a reason. exactly right. That's exactly All right. That was a fun hour. We will be back on Tuesday. We'll recap all of these games. Chris will tell us why it happened. And, um, what happens from there? We'll look back at week one, take a quick look ahead to week two on Tuesday, and then we'll be back again next Friday to preview week two in the SEC. Enjoy your weekend. It's been six and a half months of unknown. You get SEC football tomorrow, no matter who you're for. Be safe out there. Here's to good health for all 14 teams. We will be back on Tuesday at 9 a.m. right here to talk about it. For Chris Landry. I'm Neil McCready. Have a great weekend. Thanks for listening to and watching SEC football and beyond. Take care. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.